Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to innovabiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. Perfectionism is not a terrible thing. It's not a villainous thing. It's just, it's a it's a natural part of a lot of our experiences and learning how to work with it and make it work for you and produce excellence in your life as opposed to dragging you down and creating fear and anxiety and all that that stuff that that you don't want to be dealing with. Like know that it is possible, right? Know that it is possible to achieve and do the things that you want to do and actually enjoy your life with perfectionism. <music> Welcome back. I hope you've had a really awesome week so far. If you haven't heard my recent conversations with B2B strategy consultant Michael Haynes and with financial coach and columnist at the Money Panel, Catherine Morgan, then do check them out, but only after you've listened to today's conversation, of course. I'm really excited to have on the InnovaBuzz podcast as my guest today, Audrey Holst, from Fortitude and Flow. Audrey helps people reform their perfectionism so they can reclaim their agency and put their full energy into what really matters. Her work uses a combination of mindfulness and neuroscience tools and combines over a decade of experience teaching yoga with a deep knowledge of the nervous system and extensive training and work as a certified professional coach. Through her fortitude and flow process, Audrey guides individuals and groups through a holistic experience to shift the way they approach themselves and the things that matter for them, for good. In our discussion today, Audrey talked to me about common signs that perfectionism is holding us back. We talked about how to balance perfectionism and excellent action. And we talked about being aware of your whole body to get into a flow. Without further ado, then, let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Audrey Holst. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast today from Boston in the USA. Audrey Holst. She's the founder and she's also a certified professional coach at Fortitude and Flow. Welcome to the Innova Buzz podcast, Audrey. It's a great privilege to have you as my guest today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for this conversation. Now, Michael Roderick and Jason Van Orden, they were our guests on episode 328 and 275, respectively of the InnovaBuzz podcast. They suggested we have a conversation with you and they introduced us. So big hello both to Michael and Jason. 
Oh my goodness. They're such great connectors. And I, I, I know that they've made a couple of good connections on your podcast in the past, which I love. Yeah, that's right. Now, you help people reform their perfectionism to create a life that makes a difference, which I, I love that kind of succinct statement of intent, of, of mission. Um, and you do that through mindfulness, through neuroscience tools, uh, which, you know, th that fascinates me enormously, neuroscience and how we can use that to improve our life and everything. So, um, you know, based on your experience of teaching yoga and mindfulness, and you've brought that in together with neuroscience to tackle perfectionism, and you've got a book coming up too, You're Not Perfect, and Here's How to Deal with That, which, uh, again, I love the, the title. It's, uh, it's uh, <laughs> kind of immediately got my attention, so I'll be looking out for that book. So I'm really keen to dig into that some more as, as someone that certainly suffers from perfectionism. I think I'm dealing with it better now than I did in the past, but it's still there. Um, before we do that, though, what, what's the impact you're making in the world today, Audrey? I think the impact I'm making in the world today is just showing up as the best version and the most regulated version of myself I possibly can each and every day. I feel like... Um, that makes a big difference. It makes a huge impact just how I take care of myself and how I show up to other people because I think that influences how they feel and that becomes a, it's one of those like little drop in the pond moments that, that just the ripple effect is huge. So I think just doing the best I can to take care of myself and show up every single day makes a big impact. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. And, and there's, it's such an important point, isn't it, that if we want to show up as our best selves and serve those that we're intending to serve, then taking care of ourselves is actually the very first step. Yeah. And it actually, you know, our, the way that the human nervous system works, we are influencing each other through our nervous systems all the time. So it is amazing. It's one of those things uh, that like when you walk into a room and you can, you've, if you've ever had the the experience, and maybe it's a little bit different now, right? Maybe we're not walking into full rooms as much <laughs> yeah. as we used to. But uh, when you would walk into a room and you've had that, you'd have that experience that you could like cut the tension with a knife. Mm, and you're yeah. like, I don't know what's going on here, but something is, I can feel something, right? It's mm. that, that interactivity that we have between each other that are sometimes, it's sometimes a, a wordless thing, but it's our bodies communicating with each other. So it's a big difference. Mm. Yeah. Now, when did when did you realize that perfectionism was a thing in your life and was holding you back from showing up as your best self every day and and contributing to to others in a way that you could? It's I think the word for it is something that didn't come to me until later. Uh, I mean, really recently, I would say probably in the last few years, but reflecting on it, I, it's something that's been with me my entire life. Uh, it's funny, I was going through my sister and I was were going through old childhood uh, boxes this past weekend, and I was looking through old report cards. And I think as early as kindergarten, my teachers were saying stuff like, you know, Audrey's getting a little bit better at making mistakes and not completely freezing when she does something oh, wrong. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So I, I and then I had gone when I was looking through some college stuff, there were things that I had written. There was some, I don't know, logic and critical thinking that I some paper I had written and I was talking about one of my ongoing issues 
was procrastination, which is something that comes along with perfectionism, mm. kind of putting things off to the last minute. Um, so it, it's something that I've I've had the signs of <laughs> my entire life, uh, but I don't think I ever really put that label on it until until much later on. Hmm. Well, that's, that's interesting that um, teachers actually pointed out that you know, you're learning to make mistakes and that's a good thing because if I reflect back on the same experience, I, I was always a very high achiever and I was always very demanding on myself and we had exams, half yearly exams in my very early days in school. So the, this is dating me a little bit because back in those days that was the way things were done. I'm sure it's different these days. But uh, in half-yearly exams, we'd get a mark out of 100, and I'd always be up in the 90s, usually in the high 90s, um, because that's just the way I operated. I so That was what I demanded of myself, and I did the work, and I achieved the results. But sometimes, you know, I'd be in the low 90s, or, or on the odd occasion, I'd be in the high 80s, and the comments usually from the teachers in the reports were along the line of, if Jürgen had have worked harder, he might have achieved a better result or something like that. You know? So it was kind of like reinforcing that, oh, I only got 88% in that exam. I, I, that's a fail. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that a lot of us experience as when we are in that, that category of perfectionist, when we're, I think a lot of us start off as fairly naturally high achievers, right? We start off as kind of just being wired that way, and then it does get reinforced through school. I mean, because that those high grades, once you you start in that that level of getting those high grades and having those high achievements, there's that expectation that gets that gets put, right? Self and also other, right? Our teachers kind of have that expectation when mm. you're always performing well that it's like, well, I know you can perform well, so let's push the bar. I think that that happens to a lot of us. And one of the things that is really difficult uh in school that I think also carries uh parallel to to the this perfectionism uh way of of thinking and being is this concept of getting something right the first time because in school you only get one shot you take a test and that's it that's your grade right you don't get a yeah. chance to say oh, okay well i saw i got the took this test and now i've learned some things and now i'm going to take the test again no you take the test once so there's this like you got to nail it on the first try and get it right on the first try and that goes along with that that feeling that a lot of us as perfectionists have had maybe you can relate or not where it's like you just got to get it right the first try. There's no, yeah, there's yeah. no iterating. It's like you just got to get it right, which, as you and I know, in entrepreneurship is not. <laughs> that's right. I, that's what I was just thinking. It's, it's completely the opposite because if you, you know, if you've got that mindset, I've got to get this right. I can't afford to make a mistake on this. Then you'll actually never do it, which comes yes. back to the procrastination part. Whereas in entrepreneurship, it, it, you need the complete opposite mindset. You need. Oh, I've got an idea. Oh, let's try it out. No, that didn't work. What what didn't work? What can I do better? How can I make this work? Or, you know, okay, that's no good. Next idea. You know, that exactly. sort of mindset. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, for those people who are probably thinking right now, I'm not a perfectionist. Let's talk about some of the common signs of perfectionism. So perhaps we can nip it in the bud for them. <laughs> Yeah. So, and in all of my conversations and my studying, my research, I did a, I did a whole series of perfectionism conversations. And there's, there are five specific archetypes that I've found that perfectionists tend to fall under. And one of them, which, which people might be surprised about is the covert perfectionist. These are people who don't, 
don't appear to be that classic, uh, you know, rigid perfectionist. But these are people who sometimes will not do things for fear or, you know, knowing that somebody else is going to do it better. I know I can't do it perfect, so I'm not even going to bother. Or these are people who will flip flop between being super high achieving and then something goes sideways or not quite right. And then they say, I don't feel like I can do this anymore. And they they go on that sort of other end of the spectrum where they're like, I'm not going to bother. I'm not going to touch it. So there's the covert perfectionists, which have mm. often go through these burnout cycles. There are the hero perfectionists, which are the people that are always jumping in and doing things for everybody else. And they're saving other people and they're great in a crisis and they're over-functioning all the time. So that is the hero perfectionist. There's the break and gas perfectionist, which is the one that I I really uh, relate to, where it's like I that feeling of having one foot on the brake and one foot on the gas all the time, where it's like you want to do something, but you're not doing it, but you really want to, but you can't seem to do it, and you're procrastinating, and then you're not sending that, and you're losing out on opportunities, and you're, you know, that sort of situation. Um, and then there's the rigid perfectionist, which often... Uh, I've found in leadership roles with people who have employees or people who are working working for them and they become the bottleneck in their own businesses because everybody has to run everything by them so it can be exactly perfect and approved before they can actually do something and um, they can be very uh, rigid and judgmental as to how things have to be a very particular way and it doesn't give people a lot of leeway to experiment and be human and all that sort of stuff. So hmm. these are just some general descriptions. Um, and there's different ways that people think about perfectionism. You know, there may be the thought of, I feel like I have to get this right. Or, like it has to be perfect. There's that thought. There's the, what are people going to think of me? Hmm. Um, there's that thought. There's the, like, I have to fix this. Those are the hero perfectionists. I have to fix this. They feel like they have to fix everything for everybody. Um, covert perfectionists may be thinking, I, somebody else is going to do this better than me, so why bother? Which is so interesting to talk about a perfectionist that way. And then the rigid perfectionist is like, everything has to be done my way, like my way yeah, or the yeah. highway. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I've met a few of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, so even if people are listening and they're like, okay, I'm not sure if I if I 100% relate, but 100% we've met these people. <laughs> hmm. Well, I think, you know, as you outlined those archetypes, it seemed to me that, hey, there's a little bit of that in everyone. Mm -hmm. um, and the question then for me becomes, like, I mean, my, I'm, I'm embracing my perfectionism to some degree now, and I'm saying, well, you know, it serves me in certain sense. Like, I want to, I want to achieve. I want to do the best I possibly can. I want people to think of me as an expert in the areas that that I operate in, and and think of me as you know becoming the best in my field, if not you know the best in some areas that I have a lot of experience in. At the same time, of course, I want to be in a position of you know always experimenting. You use the word experiment. I think that's a great one because. It appeals to my scientific background. You know, you run an experiment, you think, you know, this could work, so I'll experiment. No, it didn't work. That's okay, because what did I learn out of that? It was an experiment, and, and so on to the next experiment. So how do you find the balance between those things? Yeah, I think this is, this is such a good question. This really gets to the heart of this, and I think it's important for people to understand when I talk about perfectionism, I'm not villainizing it. I'm not saying this is the worst 
affliction mm. you could ever deal with. You know, this is horrible. Uh, when it comes to perfectionism, exactly what you're talking about, people who who relate to these things, who relate to perfectionism on on whichever way they do, they've achieved a lot in their life. They're, they've uh, they've created amazing things, right? These are people who are often innovators. These are people who are often pushing the limits on stuff, who are discovering new things, right? These are people who like really are um, often really just on the leading edge of things. And so the idea is how do we amplify the strengths and and turn the volume down on the struggles and the things that are that are side effects that that really cause issues for us, right? Like that's basically mm. what it comes down to is um, how can we adopt this experimental mindset as opposed to this, you have to get it right and and you'll never, you know, you're, you're done if you don't get it right the first try mentality. You know, mm. how do you lean into that uh, looking for excellence, looking for high quality work without having that ultimately be so tied to your identity at the end of the day that when things inevitably don't go successfully all the time, which they won't, right? That's just kind of a matter of, of course, things don't always go successfully. How do we, how do we uh, shore up a person in a way that that doesn't just like take them out of business or have them go, well, I can't do this. I'm not good enough, right? Having all of those sort of things mm. that come along with it. So it's about amplifying those strengths that come with perfectionism and turning down the volume and finding ways to um, finding other ways to cope with that, the negative side effects that come along with it. Hmm. Yeah, and, and a lot of what you said there comes back, I think, to the mindset we have around perfectionism and our expectations of ourselves and, and our resilience in some ways, because if you're, if you are, or if you have some perfectionism and something doesn't go the way you expect it, um, the, the worst thing that you could possibly do is say, well, I'm not going to bother with that particular initiative because that didn't work. Um, now, that in some situations, it may be, well, that didn't work. I'm not going to do that again. But what can I learn from that? And, and you know, I like to talk about the baby learning to walk um, because if we all... Um, when we learned to walk the first time we fell over, and I'm sure we all fell over the first time, if we then said, well, I'm no good at that, I'm just going to give that away, <laughs> forget about that, um, we'd all be still crawling around on our hands and knees. Yeah, and the thing about that analogy, which I love so much too, is that it's in the falling down and the efforting of getting back up again where the body starts to learn, right? Mm. If the If a baby went right from like scooting around on the ground to standing up and walking it 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 would be missing a bunch of fundamental bodily and 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 neurological skills right there is a whole process that has to happen in order for that walking to be successful and a lot of that is the losing the balance the body learning and figuring things out and then trying again right so it's in that process that things actually start to change and i think it's the same way even when it starts to, when it, when it comes to creating change, when it comes to right experimenting, that's one of the ways we talk about creating action. Um, in the way that in the process that I talk about is is small, doable, and experimental action. Just like doing a physical activity like a push up or learning how to walk, you can't just jump. You can't just go from nothing to sixty miles an hour. There is mm. a, all of these different steps in between. And all of those different steps in between is what actually gets us to where we want to go. 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's a really important point. And it, it in a little bit, it's like what you said um, with, you know, you alluded to exercise. And if you think of going to the gym and bench pressing, I don't know, 200 pounds, the, um, that's not going to happen, right? Unless you've been bench pressing 10 and 20 and 30 regularly and working your way up. So you're right. essentially training your body. And yes, of course, there's a physiological change in your body. There's muscles growing um, that will enable you to ultimately lift higher weights. But it, there's a process to go through, isn't there? And if you sort of feel, if you start that off and start off with the high level and say, oh, gee, this is really hard. I'm just going to give this away. You're never going to get anywhere. Totally. And that's exactly how things work with perfectionism, because I see perfectionism essentially as uh, as like a survival mechanism, right? Every single person I've ever talked to, nobody just chose perfectionism at age 30. Yeah. You know, nobody was like, oh, you know what would be great to try on? I'm going to try perfectionism, right? Everybody, we, all of us have had some version of it in us that we've been using from a really young age and that has followed us up through our adulthood. And often when we get stressed out or when things are hard, it's sort of the thing that we cling to is the thing that works, right? So sometimes mm. when things get stressful, we hold on tighter and we get extra detail oriented and we get a little bit extra, um, you know, neurotic about how we're appearing, right? All of these sort of things. So, um, one of the things I talk about with, with clients is, is just starting to build some more observational and noticing skills so that they can start to see when these things kick in. So they start to have a little bit more conscious awareness of these background reactions that, that just start, start to happen. And it gives them some space and it gives them the opportunity to make some more conscious choices on how they want to handle stuff. And that gives you the choice with, okay, like I'm pushing this for excellence. That's really what I'm doing here. Or no, I'm just panicking and I feel like I, <laughs> things need to be this certain way for me to feel better that sort of mm. thing yeah yeah i think that's that's a really good way to look at it to say you know there's a choice there and and giving yourself permission to make that choice consciously rather than it's got to be this way or or it's a failure right so what are what are some of the little steps that people can take to Kind of first of all, become aware of of mindsets that might be contributing to perfectionism in a way that's not serving them. So it's getting in the way of them actually achieving things or doing things. And secondly, to start to change those. Yeah, the first step is just to notice. And um, I, you know, mindset is a mindset is a very particular word, but I I like to think of it as more of a, a a body, a body set maybe, or a, <laughs> uh, a nervous system set. So, so for instance, um, if I'm, a if I'm a perfectionist that tends to take really, really long on things, you know, maybe it's an email, maybe I'm one of those, one of, maybe I'm an optics perfectionist and I, I'm really concerned about communication and getting those words completely right. And I might sit and I might write an email for like 10 minutes that really only needs like 30 seconds. So one of the things I teach people is just to start noticing, right? We sometimes, so the, 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 I call it the perfectionist two-step. The perfectionist two-step is see it and fix it. Oh, I see it. I got to fix it. See it. I got to mm. nail it. See it. And, and it's very reactionary and it's very quick moving. And we feel like everything needs to be fixed. When in reality, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> sometimes nothing yeah. actually needs to be done. And so in the beginning, and I encourage everybody to practice this and they can practice it even as they're listening to this podcast 
is just start to notice what it's like to be you in your day. Like even just in this moment, you know, where are your shoulders? Are they up around your, their, your ears? How is your breathing? Are you breathing at all? How is your quality of the thoughts in your mind? Are things running around like crazy? Are things pretty quiet? You know, what are you doing right now? Are you standing? Are you sitting? Are you in movement? So starting to just notice that we are physical creatures on a physical planet is a really good first step because often perfectionism is this mind thing and we're only paying attention to the mind thing that's going on, right? These thoughts that are flying through. But if we start to actually connect to what's happening from the neck down and take the whole system into consideration, this is the reason I talk about this is because I tried a really I tried for a really long time to address my challenges through my mind, right? I tried changing my mind. I tried changing my thoughts and it didn't work for me because ultimately I needed to connect with my body. I needed to connect with the sensations, the, the nervousness, the anxiety, all the stuff that I was feeling with my, in my body. Once I addressed that, then the thoughts took care of themselves. Hmm. So that is one of the biggest things that I want people to just start to pay attention to is is your physical body on this physical plane and the information it's constantly feeding us. Yeah, yeah. That's a great tip. And I, I do this exercise from time to time where I, um, it, I call it a mind-clearing exercise where you basically go through what you've just described, but in order to kind of stop those thoughts in the mind dictating what's going on, um, you kind of focus on an object and then you start to, um, you know, really look at that in an intense way. Then you start to, okay, what am I feeling? What am I experiencing? What am I hearing? And, and going through all the senses. And that's quite amazing the impact that has. And it's interesting. I mean, one of the things that I find really fascinating about the whole subject of neuroscience is this concept of mind and mindset. I mean, it's not the, the mind isn't the brain. The mind is the, the whole body. It's kind of this abstract thing that we talk about. And it's actually the whole body. It's the whole neurological system. So if you, you know, if you stub your toe and you feel pain in your toe, that's the mind. <laughs> it's part of the mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. And, you know, it's, I love what you're talking about too, that, that exercise, which I have done, done with you. And it, it's, you know, you can think about the, the mind as, as one of those, um, you know, those like active dogs that herd sheep. It's like, it needs, a, it, it needs something to focus on. Right. And mm -hmm. so if you focus on something other than the thoughts that are running around, because I think that's one of those things that people get stuck on too. Like, well, I've got a very active mind. Well, yeah, it's your brain. That's what it does. Brains mm -hmm. think, you know, like that's, that's what it does. That's their job, that's, yeah. It's Part job. of the job. It's doing what it's supposed to do. So give it something constructive to do, you know? Give it something to focus on. Give it something to think about. Give it something to put its attention on. If you don't like what the attention is on, those are the, that's part of the skills, right? Those part of the tools is to learn how to change your attention, how to change what you're paying attention to, and turn up the volume on the stuff that's actually more important that you want to be putting your focus on. Mm. Yeah, I love it. Oh. Okay, well, um, you know, you talked about sort of being more aware of, of what's going on in our body and how, how we're perceiving that. Um, how do we, how do we then change things? Let's say, you know, we've, we've got this, oh, I, I'm procrastinating over this thing and it's probably perfectionism because I don't think it's good enough yet or I don't think, uh, I think people might laugh at me when they see it because they won't think it's a good idea. How, how do we, 
start to shift things in a way that we can at least move ahead with an experiment. Yeah, so this is the this is the process that I take people through. I call it the fortitude and flow process, and it comes in two two different parts. And the first part is the fortitude part, which is noticing and discernment. So that is what we start to talk about, right? Is that starting to notice something, having that objective awareness of something, and then starting to discern, okay, like is this mine? Is this somebody else's? Because often, you know, with say a hero perfectionist, the hero perfectionist wants to go do something, go act on it. We got to take a pause here. This is where we pause. We're going to notice the thing and we're going to discern like, okay, what am I noticing right now? I'm noticing that I'm wanting to get this email, right? I'm noticing that I've been sitting here for two minutes and I'm noticing that I'll probably be sitting here for another 10 minutes on this, this email and having that pause of like, is this what I want to do? And that's when we move into the flow process, which is action and integration. And then the action we take is, okay, small, doable, experimental action, right? You're not going to make a big leap. You're not going to make a huge jump. What's a small action I can do here? And this is going to be different for everybody, right? So maybe somebody's experiment is, listen, I, for me, I know what works for me is I need to put a timer on. I'm going to give myself five more minutes on this email. That's it. Then I hit send and we're done here. Or, you know, let me just check in with myself. What's the importance level of this email? It's actually not that important. So actually, my experiment is I'm just going to send it as is, you know, so taking little steps, little baby steps. And then the integration is just what we were, you were talking about previously is like, how did it go? Right. How did it go? Was it successful? Did that work? Did that person email back and, and chew me a new one because I didn't spend, you know, didn't spend the time that I should have spent on that email? Probably not. So these are, this is just like the process people can go through where they have that conscious noticing. They make that conscious decision. And then they have that conscious how that go and they can like rinse and repeat that over and over again for, you know, whatever it is on different levels. Hmm. Yeah, I love it. So it's kind of a complete sort of step by step um, process that you can go through. Yeah. But the key is the awareness part, isn't it? Yeah. And then and then taking some action on on what you learn there. Totally. Um, yeah. On on the email. <laughs> Uh, you reminded me of something that I'm experimenting with now and I'm doing this for a different reason, but it's actually solving that issue of, oh, is that the right way to say it or should I rewrite this and yeah. spending a lot of time. I discovered um, and a way to put quick audio messages into email in a way that um, people can just listen to it. And I thought, well, I'm a podcaster. I speak into a microphone all the time. That comes naturally to me. And the reason I did it was because it's quicker for me in, in a lot of instances, particularly if there's a long email. And secondly, it's a little bit more personal. I mean, people come back and say, wow, that was, you know, thanks for taking the time to record a, a voice message for me. So it's about the connection as well. But of course, in the perfectionism, like I don't listen back to it. I just say what's on my mind and then send and I don't listen back to it. So it's almost certainly imperfect, but I'm comfortable with, you know, I know once I've said that, it's kind of like having a conversation with somebody unless I have a really bad feeling, oh, I don't think I should have said that. But usually it's, you know, there's there's no bad blood or anything that's not an argumentative situation where you might say something that you regret later on. 
it's usually just okay oh, this is a matter of fact response or this is a question i have um so that might be a way to tackle the email perfectionism yeah i love that and and that's what it comes down to is um you know perfectionism is very prescriptive and we are not prescriptive right we are all so different and you you're like okay well i know that this is a this is how i do things this works for me this is really making it easier for me to reply it's it's actually in the medium that i come across right all of those things and and you're finding those solutions and moving forward with it and that's what i want ultimately for everybody right everybody's mm -hmm. going to find their way into this these things differently everybody's built differently everybody has different strengths everybody has different thoughts and and the cool thing about technology is we do have the ability to uh, kind of customize how we show up, especially those of us that have virtual businesses. Um, mm. There's different ways, different tools available to us to to communicate and connect with people in a way that feels most authentic to us and ultimately, right, will be received by others as authentically as possible. Because if you're spending a million years on an email and, and ugh, just dragging yourself through it, it's probably going to be received that way on the other side too. So yeah, when yeah. you have that ease and you're just going to speak into a microphone and be shown, I mean, it, it's, it makes so much sense. I love that you shared that. Hmm. All right. Well, this is fabulous, Audrey. I could go on talking professionism and neuroscience and mindset for ages, but I think it's a good point now on that note to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round. And it's the same five questions I ask of every guest. The idea being that you share your insights and wisdom and inspire the listener to go and do something awesome today as a result. What's the let's number one? <laughs> yeah, let's go. <laughs> What's the number one thing you think anyone needs to do to be more innovative? Uh, get out in nature. <laughs> <laughs> nature is so, so amazing and so incredible. There's so much to be inspired by. Like just get outside and spend some time like with dirt or trees or animals or something, and you will inevitably come up with something you would have never thought of before. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. And uh, it's always, sometimes I get into this set where there's so many deadlines and I'm working really hard. And then, you know, if I feel stressed, I, I actually take that advice and I, oh, I've got to take an hour off and just go for a walk or go out in the garden or something. And then I come back and I'm like totally refreshed much more productive and like you say if you observe what's going on in nature i mean there's so much fascinating stuff going on and you sort of ask some questions as hmm, why are they doing that um you get um you know, get some ideas totally it's it's magical every time hmm. so what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas have conversations. Um, I think that one of the hardest things to do is to, to create in a bubble. And as somebody who tends to be, I don't want to say introverted, but uh, tends to do best with my energy levels when I'm not engaged with a ton of people all the time, I do realize that I get the best ideas from hearing other people talk and then bouncing ideas back and having conversations and going back and forth. So I think having uh, having conversations, having a good network, um, being surrounded by people with interesting and, and maybe different ways of thinking about stuff is is just a really great resource. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's great, isn't it? And I I hear you with the energy levels. I'm I'm an introvert in in the sense that you know that's where my energy comes from. I and I've got to like if I'm in lots of um, conversations with other people, then I need to 
I need alone time to recharge. <laughs> totally. Yeah, me too. But yeah, but at the same time, it's um, it it really is important to speak to other people and sort of bounce ideas back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a favorite resource you use most often? Um, I I'm gonna just I'm gonna give a shout out to uh to Pema Chodron's book. I just every podcast I go on, I I swear I do not get money by talking about this book because okay. I just talk about it all the time. But I just think it's such a good read. Um, Pema Chodron's When Things Fall Apart is just such a good resource because I think especially now, um. It, there are so many moments that I, I'm a pretty positive person and it, it's been really challenging these last uh, last long last this mm. last long period of time I'll just yeah, yeah. wildly around you know um and she just it's one of those books that you can open to any page and just feel somehow that things are gonna be okay she just writes about life and mindfulness uh so honestly and frankly and it's just like a bomb for the soul. So that's the resource that I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna plug Pema Chodron again on this podcast. Okay, all right. Well, I'm not familiar with that, so I'll have to go look look it up and add it to my reading list. Yeah, yeah she's great. Hmm. All right. Now, what's the best way to keep a client on track? Um, I think the best way to keep a client on track is to know where they're going. <laughs> where, know what the track where is. Where they want to yeah. go, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, at the beginning of every coaching relationship, we, the client fills out what I call the North Star inventory. And that's literally what it does is it keeps us on track. I know the number, the top three things that this client is looking to, uh, to achieve or these top three things that this client is. And sometimes it's very vague. You know, sometimes it's not solid you know, measurable goals. Sometimes it's like feeling more peaceful or wanting to feel more confident. Very often, those are the sort of things that people come to me wanting, right? They're not like, I want to make a million dollars. They're like, I want to feel less stress. Hmm. And so we really dig into those goals. And those I every I, on a regular basis, we are looking at those, we are looking at those, we are looking at those. And it's like, how close, how are we closing the gap on those goals? And that's really, really good at keeping a person focused, because otherwise, they can just go you know, shooting off in either direction. That's why you get a coach, right? You can just mm. go do whatever you want to do. But when you've got a coach, boom, we're going to focus yeah. and we're going to get things done. Yep. Yep. I love it. Um, the North Star. Yeah. That's a great concept, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. All right. And the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? Just show up as you. I mean, that is such a silly and probably overused, right? Everybody says that, but it, it really is true. Um, just showing up and trusting that the people that are going to resonate with you are going to resonate with you because of who you are, not who you're trying to be, not who you're trying to emulate, not who you've, who's whatever you're trying to follow. If you just show up as who you are as a human being, which will iterate over time, right? Like that things change over time mm. as we get more experience and we, we find different techniques and all that sort of stuff. But like the core of who you are, the pe people will resonate with that. And it's, again, I've talked about nervous systems in the beginning, right? People are going to vibe and they're like, there's something about this person. The vibe is right. And those are the people you want to work with, right? You want to work with the people right. that vibe with you so that you and them can both have a good experience and ultimately a good result. Mm. Yeah, and and I think having the self awareness and the self knowledge, you know, we've talked a lot about that in in the sense of ex, uh, of perfectionism, but it takes quite a bit of experience, I think, probably to 
have the self-awareness and knowledge to know, you know, this is me and I'm, I'm just going to do that. I'm going to embrace it first of all and I'm going to do that. And one of the things you said I think is really important there is because you attract people that are going to be a pleasure to work, that are going to enjoy working with you and you're going to enjoy working with them. So it'll be a, an easy experience. Your perfectionism will be kind of less and uh, under control probably and it, it'll be just so much more relaxing. And yeah. just like probably every entrepreneur, I've taken people on in the early days when I was trying to get the business um, to grow and I needed the revenue that really weren't a good fit for me. And, you know, that was painful. <laughs> totally. And I think that that's, again, I think that's part of the, you know, learning how to walk situation. We have no idea in the beginning. We're still kind of figuring that out, right? Who we are. We know we, we're sort of figuring out who we are as people. We're figuring out who we are as entrepreneurs, who we are as business owners, who we are as leaders, as innovators. We're still kind of figuring that out. And one of the things that helps us do that is to work with the people that are bad fits, honestly, right? And go, oh, uh, what I did not like, right? And that's that integrate. Okay, I took my action. Now I got to integrate this action. What what went well about that? What didn't go well? What did I enjoy? What did I not enjoy? And it really is a huge informational dump for a person to be like, that was a terrible experience. Let's break that down and figure out what didn't work so that we don't repeat that again. So I think that's a huge... Nobody likes that, right? None of us no, want to yeah, have that experience, right. but it's extremely educational. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I mean, there's there's gold in that to actually reframe every experience we have that's unpleasant because we don't set out to have unpleasant experiences, right? That's my sub presupposition. None of us set out to have unpleasant experiences, but we do have them. And so to reframe it and say, well, okay, that I learned from that. So what what's the lesson? Yeah. And one of the biggest things, and this is, I'll, I'll say this to listeners too. One of the things that, that happens a lot and comes up in conversation over and over and over again with clients is just the concept of being uncomfortable. And, and that just because you're uncomfortable doesn't mean that there's something wrong, right? Like when we're starting to change things, we're starting to move things. Sometimes things are uncomfortable because we just haven't done them before, mm. right? So like you're having that conversation, you're like, it's kind of uncomfortable, but I know this is the right thing. Why do I feel so weird about it? Because you haven't done it before, right? So yeah. this concept of of when you start to build that self-awareness and you start to understand what your values are and you start to follow that North Star and you get to these places where you feel uncomfortable, you get okay. You get better at being uncomfortable and that being the end of it. I'm just uncomfortable. It doesn't mean anything, right? It doesn't mean that I'm a mm. terrible person. It doesn't mean I'm a failure. It doesn't mean that I'm doing it wrong. It just means I'm really uncomfortable right now. And, and it makes things so much simpler when it just stops right there. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things, and this has taken me a long time to learn, and maybe it's part of that, um, you know, high achiever as a child thing and perfectionism and so on, is that if you're trying to learn something new, then you will be really uncomfortable at the beginning. And the height of discomfort is when you're learning, when you're actually learning it, because you're trying to do something it's a struggle and you're not used to the struggle because in the past everything's sort of been, okay, I know how to do this sort of piece of cake. Um, and it's taken me a long time to realize that's when you've got to say, well, am I committed to learning this? If I am, then I've got to embrace that discomfort. 
and work through it. And I had an experience recently where I, I felt that and I was trying something new and it was a big thing. And I thought, oh, God, this is complicated and I just do not get this. And and I kind of told myself, hey, I'm learning. I'm obviously learning here. I'm in there. And kind of a week later, just going through the teaching material that I had available to me and and researching some other stuff. And a week later, I was kind of reflecting back and I was doing some of the things and I thought, this is almost coming naturally now. And I thought, gee, a week ago, I was, I was so distressed. And, um, you know, but I told myself, I'm learning. The discomfort is because I'm learning. And sure enough, you know, it kind of fell into place. And it was almost a complete transformation within a very short space of time. So that's how quickly um, you can get through that. It does, of course, I mean, you know, if you're in discomfort because of illness or because of danger, then clearly, you know, take corrective action. But the, yeah, oh. you know, sometimes it's a learning situation. I love that. Yeah, 100% it is. 100% it is, right? The brain is learning, the body is learning, the nervous system is learning, all of that. It, it's And it's so brilliant. And I think you're exactly on point with that. It If you just keep taking one step at a time with that discomfort in a week's time, it is amazing how different, right? It's like a transformation in seven yeah. days. I mean, that's it, it literally can go that quickly. It's so true. I love that example. Mm. All right. Well, this has been fabulous, Audrey. Now, um, where can people find out more about you and the work you do and maybe even reach out and say thanks for all that you shared today? Yeah. So if people go to fortitudeandflow.com, they can learn more about the work I do. And actually, if they are interested in learning more about those perfectionist archetypes that I referenced earlier, I have a whole guide on those that people can take a look at, which is at perfectionist, I'm sorry, fortitudeandflow.com slash perfectionist. So if people are interested in learning more, they can go there and check it out. Excellent. Okay. And we'll post those links in the show notes so people can click straight through. So do you have some parting advice today for our listener? Um, if anybody, you know, if if you're listening to this and you're resonating with some of the stuff I said, uh, know that you're an incredibly good company, incredibly <laughs> good company. Some of the most brilliant, lovely, amazing people, right, including Jurgen, who we talked about today. <laughs> we we resonate with this stuff. Perfectionism is not a terrible thing. It's not a villainous thing. It's just it's a it's a natural part of a lot of our experiences and learning how to work with it and make it work for you and 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 produce excellence in your life as opposed to dragging you down and creating fear and anxiety and all that that stuff that that you don't want to be dealing with like know that it is possible right know that it is possible to achieve and do the things that you want to do and actually enjoy your life with perfectionism and then it's not this terrible awful you know negative diagnosis that you've been burdened with um you're in great company is what i want to say <laughs> wonderful well thanks for that that's terrific all right. Finally, who else should I get on this show and why? Oh, I think that you should probably get uh, Heather Thorkelson on your show. She is amazing. She wrote a book called uh, No Plan B, which is all about the incurable entrepreneur. <laughs> and uh, I am in one of her, her, uh, her groups and she's incredible. And she really, really works with Anybody who, who thinks in the perfect has a perfectionism mindset, she's like an excellent person to be around. She's got her own, um, she's had several company companies. She has her own um, 
Arctic Exploration Company. So oh, wow. you two would have a really good conversation. So what was her name again? Heather Thorkelson. Heather. Heather. Yes. All right. Well, we'll um, we'll reach out. We'll get an introduction from you, and then reach yes. out to Heather and bring her on the show as well. Sounds like yes. There's lots of fascinating topics to have conversations around. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much for sharing your time and your insights and your wisdom with us so generously today, and talking all about perfectionism. You set me on a good path for the day. It's morning my time, so I'm going to go ahead and embrace whatever perfectionist uh, thoughts come into my mind today. I've learned a lot. I wish you all the best for the future and please stay in touch. Thank you. Same to you. I'm ending my day too. So this is a great way to wrap up my afternoon. <laughs> Wonderful. I hope you enjoyed that fabulously informative conversation with Audrey and took something away from her episode. I love the way that Audrey reframes perfectionism and the behaviours resulting from it in a way that can serve us better. For example, embracing discomfort as a way of learning. I'd love to know what you took away from Audrey's episode. Leave a comment below the blog post which you can find at innovabiz.co forward slash Audrey Holst. That is A-U-D-R-E-Y-H-O-L-S-T. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Audrey Holst. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Audrey, as well as links to the Fortitude and Flow website, to Audrey's social media pages, and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation. If you like this episode, please do share it with as many other people that you think it might help and tag me in on those shares so that I can reach out to you with a special thank you. Audrey suggested that we have a conversation with Heather Thorkelson, author of No Plan B, and with Henry Lopez of the How To Business on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. So Heather and Henry, keep an eye on your inboxes for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast courtesy of Audrey Holst. Tune in again to the next episodes of the Innova Buzz podcast, where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up, including business owner and investment advisor Lane Kawoka, and entrepreneur and expert in creative problem solving and time management, Amanda Fergil. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.